You know, last week I had spoken about a topic <clears throat> which most people are completely unfamiliar with. And that topic, which has tremendous Hashkofa implications, as we saw last week, this is a topic of that there are really four of us, not three. And the fourth of, as I said then, is Esau. Right? That's the fourth of. Which makes sense when you look at the story. You see. Now, a lot of people find that very difficult to accept. You know, because we've been taught, obviously, that Esau is a tremendous Russia, which he is. There's no question about that. So, therefore, to introduce the concept of Esau, that he really is an of, that's how he started out, and that's really what his spiritual potential is, is very difficult for many people to swallow, to believe. So, therefore, what I want to do is quote, you know, just to give it more credibility, uh, what the Ramchal himself says, which I'm going to read, and then I'm going to show you that Rashi himself indicates that who Esav really was, unless you want to deny Rashi and the Ramchal. I also mentioned last week uh, uh, this Medrash, where the Medrash says that had Esav not become a Russia, then he would have had six tribes, and Yaakov would have had six tribes. That clearly indicates that there is a division of labor, obviously. What is that labor? That labor is doing whatever a person has to do as a patriarch, as an of. Obviously, that's what it is. And in order to give birth to a shevet, a tribe, you have to have the neshama of an of. <laughs> a tribe cannot give birth to a tribe. Because the neshama of a tribe, Shevet, is much too low to give birth to the neshama of a tribe. So it requires the neshama of an of. So clearly, if Esav should have had six, that clearly is an equality. And that clearly is an indicator of the unbelievable stature of Esav when he started out. You see. So I said that anyway last week. But what I want to do is quote from the text itself, Ramchal, Ramosh Chaim Lutzato, and to see what he says. And then I'm going to talk about what Rashi says <coughs> inside. In any case, this is taken from the Sefer. Okay. Uh, it was a Sefer that's printed it's called the Ginze Ramchal, and it is the writings of the Ramchal. And the name of the Sefer that the Ramchal wrote is called Kinis Hashem Tzavokos, the jealousy of God, of the Lord of Hosts. That's the name of the Sefer. And it's in a section called, it's in the second section, not the first, and the name of the topic is Inyon Esav, the topic of Esav. And I'm going to read it. So you want to deny this? You can deny whatever you want, but you will hear what the Ramchal says. Here goes. Da, no. Kishurishli Esav, that the root of Esav is who he really was. Hoyuborishoyna was at first the Kedusha, in holiness. That's what he says. <clears throat> that originally Esau, the root of Esau, which means Esau, when he was a child, which means when he started out, at first, he was in Kedusha. He was a holy person. And Ramchal continues, Vuhu, and he was, where was he located? <coughs> <coughs> Where was his neshama located? In which sphere? So Ramchal says, Vuhu, and he was located, Begevuras Teferes Ziranpin. 
that he was located in Teferis, which I mentioned. Uh, there is Zerampin is the lowest seven. I mentioned there are ten spheres. The first three, which is Keser, Chochmah, Bina. And then there's what's called Zion, Tachtoinus, the lower seven. And of these seven, the first six of them is called Za or Zer Ampen. And the last one, which is number seven of the seven combination, is called Nukva, the Keva, in any case. And we know that Avram was Chesed, Yitzchak was Gevura, which I mentioned last week, and Yaakov was Teferes, which is a middle sphero. It is sort of like a blending of Chesed on the right, Gevura on the left, and they somehow merge in the middle, and they're called Teferes. Uh, so Esau was in, or emerges from, <coughs> from the sphero called Teferes. Okay. But Ramchal says that he's not made it first, he's Gevura of Tferis. Now Gevura is the left side. So Tferis, which is a middle, obviously, has two sides. It has a right side, the right side of the middle, and it has the left side, the left side of the middle. You see. So we know that Yaakov was Tferis, but he was the right side of the middle of Tferis. Esau, right, is on the left side of Tferis. But that means that the Ramchal is saying that Esau was a personification of Tferis. Just like Avram was from Chesed, Yitzchak was from Gvura, and Yaakov was from Tferis, but the right side, you see. So Ramchal clearly is saying that his neshama is located, or a personification of Tiferes, the Gevur of Tiferes, which is the left side. So we already begin to see that Esav is no ordinary person. So the Ramchal says, he continues, and he says, Perish, right? Ki Tiferes, Tiferes, which is a sphera, Hinehu Makriya right? It is the balance between Chesed and Gevura. Because it's the middle. Now, now he says, <coughs> and first, which is the middle, from the idea, the category of the right of first, Yotze Yaakov. Yaakov emerged. In other words, the Nisham of Yaakov emanates from the right side of first. And from the category of the left side of Tveris, Sheboi, of Tveris, Yotza Esav, comes out Esav. I mean, take a look what he's doing. He's equating Yaakov and Esav together. They're both from Tveris. <clears throat> the difference is, is that Yaakov comes from the right side of Tveris because Tveris is the middle. And Esav comes from the left side of Tveris. But if they both emerge from Tveris, clearly they are equal in Kiddusha. And obviously, they are both of us. So therefore, Ramchal continues and says, And therefore, Now you know why they're twins. Because that's the question. How can Esav and Yaakov be twins. One is a tzaddik, one is a patriarch and of, the other is an incredible Russia, right? And twins are almost always alike, you see. So therefore, why are they twins? They're twins because they both have the same origin. First, except one is from the right and one is from the left. I mean, look at what Ramchal is saying. I am reading, by the way, from the Sefer of the Ramchal. Now it says in Malachi, Halayoch Esav Yaakov. Behold, Esav is a brother to Yaakov. Again, 
What do you mean a brother to Yaakov? That is a tremendous relationship. <laughs> so what that alludes to is that Esav is a brother to Yaakov. That is that they are really from the same origin. And the Ramchal continues, because in truth, they were at one level at the beginning. I mean, look what he's saying. That in the beginning, they were madrego achas. They were both at the identical level. What level? Right? What area? And the area that he's referring to is obviously Kedusha. Now the Ramchal says, But Yitzchak and Yishmuel, even though they were also brothers, right? Yitzchak and Yishmuel, both were the children of Avram, but it's, they were different, you see. Because Yitzchak came from, right? Yitzchak came from Sarah, whereas Yishmuel came from Hogar. You see, so even though they had the same father, but they were not the same in Kedusha. You see, because like I said, Yitzchak came from Avram and Sarah, whereas Yishmuel came from Avram and Hogar. So what he's implying also, by the way, is Yishmuel also was a tremendous, in the beginning, Kadosh. Yeah, that's what it means. Uh, because Yishmuel was a Jew, just like um, of, uh, a Yitzchak, you see. And that's what happened to Yishmael. <clears throat> Yishmael also became a Russia, you see. Although, interesting, Yishmael later on does tshuva. And now we know that because he allowed Yitzchak to precede him when Avram Avinu died. That's how we know that Yishmuel did tshuva. And not only that, we also know he did tshuva because you have Tanoim named after him, Rabbi Yishmuel, right? Rabbi Yishmuel Kohen Gadol. He was the high priest. How could you name a Tano? How could you name these type of people, incredible Kedoshim, Tzadikim, after a Russia? And the answer is because he did tshuva. And therefore you could do it. These are all proofs that Yishmuel's origin was also in Kedusha. But it wasn't as great as Yaakov and Esav. Yaakov and Esav both are true of us. With Yitzchak and Yishmuel are not. Although I must say, Yishmuel also had a tremendous task of Kedusha. You see, and he says this to Chidor. In fact, if you take a look at the children of Yishmael, you know, in the parasha of Yishmael, when, when it says Yishmael's children were, you'll see that there are 12. <coughs> you'll see that there are 12 children of Yishmael. Why? Because since Yishmael was also similar to an Av, although he was not an Av, like I said, but since he was similar, therefore he also had to have 12 tribes, you see, which is interesting. The Chidor says this. But in any case, so these people are not ordinary people. So he's saying, therefore, that even Yitzchuk Yishmael are holy, Yitzchishmol is obviously not like Yitzchok. However, Yaakov and Esav, they are equal at the origin, at the beginning, when they were born. <clears throat> the Toven, now the Ramchal continues, the Toven, and you need to understand, Shekam Esav, Hoyo Yocholio is Kodosh. It's incredible what he's saying. And you need to understand that Esav also could have been Kodosh, you see. He also could have been incredibly holy. The Yehushneim, and both of them would have been, he continues, Bonim Tovim Hashem, 
good children to God. That's what he's saying. So what he's saying is that they're equal. Esav could have been a Kaddish, holy. And then he and Yaakov together would have been holy children to God. You see. Now, so, I mean, all this stuff is completely innovative and revolutionary. But listen, this is Ramchal. And this is Kabbalah. This is, according to the Kabbalah, who they really were. <laughs> and by the way, this explanation of who Esau really was, certainly in the beginning, answers hundreds of questions about what is going on, the interaction between Esau and Yaakov, as I will continue with, this, with the story <clears throat> of Yaakov and Esau. You see, because, like I said last week, it tells you what the two tasks of the Jewish people are. Now, the Ramchal continues, and I will tell you, I will tell you what the job is of each one. See, first he tells you who they were, in terms of what they could have been, right? And now I'm going to tell you what the job was. In other words, why are there two? Why not just one? Yaakov emanates from Tiferes. Why are there two people? Now, this is very important because this really explains a great deal of Ashkofa. Da, no, he says, Amchal. <laughs> there has to be two things done. And when both things are done, they constitute the true tikkun of the Bria. And this is basic that there are two fundamental jobs that have to be done. And together they form the tikkun. One without the other, half the tikkun is missing. Now, what is, what is it? Echod, the first, is tikkun ha is to rectify holiness, besoid hispashtus madrego seho. Right? The tikkun of kidusha, the rectification or the repair of Kedusha, of holiness, in the secret of the expansion of all the Madregois, all the levels of Kedusha. You see, what does that mean? <laughs> that means that only a certain amount of Kedusha, if you want to look at that, it means only a certain amount of the Giloi of the Rabbani Shlodim the what's called the revelation of God, or the uh, hispashtus, the uh, re- the revelation of the ore, of the shefa of God, you see. So only a certain amount has come down. Really, God wants to bring down all the ore, all the ore of the spheres, which is the hispashtus madrigosel. <coughs> He wants to bring down, right, the um, expansion of all the levels of holiness. And the one who does that, of course, basically are the Jews. So that's the first contribution to Tikkun, is to bring down the totality of all the levels of holiness, which really is the levels of all the light, the ore of the spheres which we know is exactly what's going to happen in the Messianic era. That is the Tikkun. All of a sudden, all the levels of holiness are brought down to this world through the Avedo, through the work of the Jews for 4,000 years. Because this is the Tikkun. Hispashtis Kiddusho, Bechol Madrego Seho. That is the correct phrase the expansion of holiness in all its levels. That is the first job of Tikkun. So that's the first. The <laughs> Echod, and now he's going to give you the second job, right, of Tikkun. And he says, to fear to subjugate the Sotan, right, underneath 
Kiddusha, underneath holiness. You see, what he's saying, therefore, right, is to render the Satan, he calls it the Sitra Akhra, the other side, right, completely, uh, where Kedusha <coughs> completely dominates the Satan and his entire kingdom, you see. So it means, therefore, that the Satan is completely subjugated under Kedusha. And the one that rules is Kedusha. So that Tikkun, right, is a Tikkun of the entity called the Satan. So this tells you, right, that there are two jobs. These are fundamental ideas. One job, which is Tikkun, is to expand all the levels of holiness throughout the entire creation. The second level, or the second job of Tikkun, right, is to dominate, subjugate the Satan underneath all the levels of Kedusha, where the Satan has absolutely no say whatsoever in diverting a person away from holiness. You see, these are the two jobs of Avrida or Tikkun. Now, these are the jobs. But what refers to Yaakov and Esav? So he continues. The Hispashtus Hakidusha, the expansion of holiness, which I had mentioned, is the first job of Tikkun. That was Yaakov's job, you see, in the Avoido of Tikkun. And that's the right side of Tferas. Ukfias has Sitra Akra, Madrego Seho, and the subjugation, the domination over the Sutton, in all the levels of the Sutton, Hoyonageli Esav, that was Esav's job. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Look at the two jobs. One job is to what? Is to be involved in holiness completely and bring it down to expose holiness completely in all its levels. The second job is to do battle with the Satan and to completely subdue and subjugate the Satan underneath the complete domination of Kedusha. So the first job is the job of Yaakov. The second job is the job of Esau. You see. And that's really the whole job of Tikkun. You see. And therefore, Yaakov and Esav, each one is given the task of one of these things. And that is why they are equal. Because they're both the Tikkun, the rectification, especially of Tferis. That's why they're equal. Listen, the Ramchal is saying this. You see, this is not a drosha. He's saying this as a fact, which we will see. You see, now he says a very interesting thing, and he's now referring to Esav. How in the world can Esav do this? So he says, in truth, nobody could do this. You can't subjugate the Satan under all the levels of Kedusha. How you do that? Very important idea. The only way a person can do this, which means to battle the Satan, is if the Mishama of that person comes from the same root as the Satan. That's what he says. Only one who comes out or emerges from the Shoresh of evil. You see, uh, it's almost like in order to do battle with something, you must be of the same stock, and then you could destroy it. So therefore, what comes out, right, that is how you can destroy the Sultan. And we now understand, which I will elaborate on, how Esav could do this. Esav's neshama, in the left side of Tferis, which is Gvura, 
you see, emerged from the same shirish root as where the satan emerged. And therefore, since they were sort of like joined at the hip, if you want to use that expression, Asaph could destroy the satan if he remains righteous. You see, that's how he can do it. Because he emerges from the same root. By the way, that's a very important idea. <clears throat> that's why you find later on, when Yaakov fights the Malach, later on where you see that, right? Right? The, who is that Malach? So Rashi says that Malach, who Yaakov fought, was Sarah of Esau. That was the angel of Esau. Who is that? That is the Sutton himself. Yeah, Rashi says that. It's amazing. <clears throat> How could Yaakov fight? Why, or rather, why is this the Malach of Esav? He's a Satan. And the answer is, he's the Malach of Esav because Esav and the Satan are joined at the hip, so to speak. This is the Malach of Esav because they both, the Satan and Esav, emanate from the same Shirish root. So therefore, Esav uh, is joined to the Satan. So therefore, either the Esav destroys the Satan because he now can destroy the root itself of evil because his neshama is from that, you see, or the Satan will take him over, you see. In other words, what the Russian wants is Esav to destroy the Shirish of evil and its place in Kedusha. Because evil also emanates from holiness, from <clears throat> divine force. So therefore, since Esau has an Ishama from the Shirish itself, Esau has to destroy the Shirish of evil, right, of which he is connected to. That is why Yaakov fought Esau's Malach. That's why the Malach was Esau's uh, Malach. Because they both emanate from the same source in Kedusha. But at the root, the problem was Esau, we know by then, became a tremendous Russia. So therefore, instead of Esau destroying the Satan, which is the root of evil, the Satan now dominates Esau. You see? And the Satan becomes the Malach of Esau. We now understand what happened and why Yaakov was fighting the Satan, who is described as the Malach of Esav, Sarish al You see, very beautiful understanding of what's going on, you see. In any case, we now understand something very important. We understand what? <clears throat> who Esav really is, and what his Madrega was, his level, Kadosh, holy at the origin, and that he was the equal of Yaakov. Because they both have this job in Tikkun. You see. So now he continues and says, Kach, therefore, Sheyeh lefi hischabah ma'ereis l'zeo inyan. Why is Esav have to be in Shurish of evil? You see. Because he has to destroy the root of evil. So therefore he has to be connected to the root of evil. And therefore, he has to emanate from the same place. You see. So, Ayadeh, through, should Nishmotsoi, that his Nishoma, Esav's Nishoma, should go out of Menamakamazeh, from this place, which is the root of evil, right? Sheboi Bo, call Sitra because in that root where the Sultan is located, that is the origin of the Sultan with all his levels of evil. And therefore, he also has to come from that place, you see. To be able to machnia, you see, to subjugate, right, under all the levels of holiness, <clears throat> you see. And then the Ramchal says, and the Satan Atzma, the Satan himself, is mischalekes, he also is divided 
the Sultan in two areas or categories. Yemenu smile. The Sultan has a right side and he has a left side. Besoid Mitzrayim the Ashur. So Ramchal calls the two nations, Egypt and Assyria, as the nations that represent the right and left side of the Sultan. You see. Ach Makum Ach knows the Kedusha, but the place, you see, where the Sultan has to be subjugated to the holiness. <coughs> this is where the Sultan has to emanate. Where? Shoot the Ferris, that's the middle, Sphira. The Zeampin, Zeampin or Za, is the lower seven, right? So the Ferris of the lower seven spheres of the ten, this is called Zerampen. The Bechinus has small Shaboy from the left side. That's exactly who Esav was in the spheres. You see? So the Ramchal is not only telling us who Esav is, but he's locating Esav and Yaakov exactly in the spheres, and he's describing the exact Avoido you see, are both of these people. You see. And then the Ramchal says, I will now explain to you <coughs> I will now explain to you this topic well. And you will see incredible wisdom. Siddhamarochos, the order or the arrangement or the structure of creation. Ashesidhamatsabarhu, that the Bansham, the emanator, created. And that's how he conducts his world. You see, with unbelievable thought. You see. In any case, this is what the Ramchal says is fascinating when he's describing Esav. Now we know what happened, and that's the tragedy. Esav failed. Instead of subduing, right, the Sitra Achro, and his Neshama emerges from the same place in the spheres. <laughs> that the Nishama, if you want to use that word, I hate to use that word, where the, the entity of the Sultan also emanates. So instead of becoming, destroying the Sultan, because it was within his power, he fell. The Sultan was able to convince him to sin, right? And as a result of that, of course, Asa became a Russia, and therefore his entire task which is to subjugate evil under all the levels of holiness, dissolved. Cause that's, so that's really what the story is of Esav. Now, I want to read to you, in the Torah itself, we see this. For those who are doubting, besides having heard the Ramchal, I'm now going to read, it's Parshas Chukas, right? That's where I am in Sefer Bamidbo. <laughs> and it's after the Chukas, uh, the Poraduma, I think in the fourth Aliyah. Okay? Uh, it is Perek uh, Chof, the uh, 20th chapter, Pasik 14. And it says there, right? 14. Oh, Vayishlach Moshe. And Moshe sent Malachim, messengers, right? Mikodesh, from Kodesh, which is where they were at, and Melech Edoim, to the king of Edoim. You see, what did it say? What did the message say? Yisrael. Thus says your brother Israel. Now he's talking to the king of Edoim. And we know the father of Edom is Esau. So Moshe wants to send a message to the kingdom of Edom, basically, 
because he wants to cross over their land. Because Esau had Haseya, which is in the south of Israel. And since they were in the, uh, <coughs> in the uh, what do you call it, the peninsula, Sinai Peninsula, right? He wanted to cross over the south, southern port part of Israel. In any case, so he sends messengers to the kingdom of Edom. And he says the following, Thus says your brother Israel. You see? He's actually describing the relationship between the Jewish people and Edom. Uh, so he says, Atiyodato, you know, as Kolatlo, all the difficulties and travails, Hashem Osno, that found us. You see? And Vayedu Avasenu, Mitzrayimo, and our forefathers went to Egypt. We dwelt in Egypt many, many days, of course, it means 230 years. Right? And they were very bad to us. And then we screamed to God, and He heard our voice, and He sent an angel to take us out of Egypt, you see? And He said, now, We are now Kodesh. We are in Kodesh. We are in Kodesh, or the section, uh, <clears throat> which is at the edge of your borders. Please, let us go cross your land. Uh, we won't go into the fields. We're not going to touch the vineyards. <coughs> we won't drink anything. In other words, we're not going to touch anything. We, all we want to do is go through your land, not harm anything, not even use any you know, the vineyards or anything, we just want to have passage through your land. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu says. And of course, Edom said no. <coughs> Edom said no. We don't want to do it. And then, of course, they came out with a whole army uh, to stop Israel from going through their land. So therefore, they had to go further south, and then east, and so on. Fine. This is the Pausha and the Torah. Now, we notice here that the message that Moshe Rabbeinu sent, right, to the king of Edom, and he says, Thus says your brother Israel, you know all the difficulties that found us in Egypt. Now, Rashi wonders, why is he talking about brotherhood here? He should just say, Thus says Israel. You see? That's what it should say. This is what we say, this is what Israel says. He's sending this message to the king of Edom. Why is, he, why is he saying, thus says your brother Israel? Look at what Rashi says. So he asks the question. And I'm reading the Rashi. Why is, is Moshe Rabbeinu <coughs> mentioning the concept of brotherhood? This is what Moshe Rabbeinu said. Listen to this carefully. <clears throat> right? What did he say? We are brothers, obviously. B'nei Avram. We are all descendants from Avram, Avram, Avram Avinu. Right? What was said to Avram Avinu? Remember that? And your children will be strangers in a land for 400 years. This is what the Bansham said to Avram Avinu, right? That meant that the descendants of Avram Avinu are going to be in Egypt for hundreds of years. Who are the descendants of Avram? You and I, the Jews, right? And Edom, uh, the Jews, the descendants of Yaakov, and, and uh, Edom, the descendants of Esau. And here's what he says, Moshe says, and on both of us was this obligation, the Poroi, to fulfill that prophecy. In other words, he says, right, we're both brothers, and when God said, <coughs> and when God said, Pavrom, that your children will be in a land right, uh, Zarech, right, for 400 years, 
He meant the descendants of Avram Avinu. Well, who are the descendants that would have to uh, realize this prophecy? Shinenu, both of us. Both of us would have to engage to fulfill this prophecy. Now, this obligation to fulfill the prophecy, right, was on both of us. So now he says, but you know all the difficulties that happened because that would be part of the prophecy, right? And in other words, both of us, you, we, Israel, right, and you, Edom, the children of Esau, both of us should have been involved in fulfilling that prophecy. Esau, Edom, should have been involved with us. So the Egyptians should have been masters over both of us, not just the Jewish people, but also the Edomite people. But Esau said, no way. I'm not interested in this, fulfilling this prophecy. So Rashi says, therefore, Porash Avichem Me'al Ovinu. So your father separated, right, from ours. Your father Esau separated from ours, Yaakov. You see, because he didn't want to be involved in fulfilling this prophecy. Shinema says, Vayelech El Eretz and he left, Esav left to the, his land because of Yaakov, his brother. You see? Why did Esav abandon Yaakov? Right? Because he didn't want to involve himself in that obligation to fulfill that prophecy. And he says, I don't want this. You take it. Uh, you see? So therefore, the fulfillment of that prophecy fell on who? On Yaakov Avinu and his descendants. What's Rashi saying? He's saying clearly that Moshe Rabbein refers to Edom, the descendants of Esau, right? As what? He's referring to them that uh, they also were involved in the prophecy. Why? Because they are part of the Tikkun. That's what it means. Why did God tell Avram Avinu that your children will be involved in slavery for 400 years? Because that's the necessity of Tikkun. I once mentioned, why were the Jews in Egypt for hundreds of years? What did they do? And the answer is, because since Avram Avinu took over the job of Tikkun from the nations of the world, then they had to rectify all the sins of all the people before Avram Avinu. Because I mentioned that each nation was able to do Tikkun before Avram Avinu. And because they failed, God took it away from them and gave it to Avram. But in order to do the Tikkun, they would have to be strangers in the land, which means they would have to be strangers in the land of enormous temptations, right? And if they, they would have to remain righteous, and that way they could take out all the nourishment that the Sutton took as a result of the sins of all those generations before Avram Avinu. <clears throat> but that's the Tikkun, isn't it? And that is the Tikkun, really, when you think about it, of Esau. Because the Jews went to Egypt to remain righteous, and not to fall in Egypt, but to remain righteous, right? Ge'i that your children will be strangers in the land, which means they will remain righteous, right? And they will take out all the shefa, all the holiness uh, that the Sultan has taken because of the sins of the generations before Avram Avinu, because all of them could do a tikkun to the Bria, which I had mentioned, you see? So therefore the Jews went to Egypt because they took on the responsibility of tikkun. In fact, the responsibility of tikkun that the Jews took on is the exact tikkun, right, of Esau. And who was supposed to take on that tikkun? Yaakov, right, and Esau. And that's what he means. Both of our nations, Israel and, right, and, and Edom, both of us should have been slaves in Egypt, right, and remain righteous. And that would have done the tikkun, you see. And as a result of that, both of us, like I say, 
would have done the tikkun because the job was for both. So instead, what happened? Asa said, I don't want to be party to this. And he left Yaakov and he said, you do it. So what Moshe Rabbein is saying to the king of Edom, he's saying, look, we both had the same job. Uh, it was on both of us that God said to Abraham, right, Avram, that your children will be slaves in Egypt in a land that they don't know for 400 years. But your father threw it on Yaakov, our father. So at least do us a favor since we took on the job that you should have shared with us because Esav is also part of the Tikkun. So at least do us a favor and let us cross your land. Uh, that's what the logic of the statement is. Behold, this is what your brother says. In other words, you should let us pass your land. Why? Because we did you a favor. We did the Tikkun without you. You should have done it together with us. Why? Because Yaakov and Esav together do the Tikkun. Because they're both of us, you see. Instead, what happened? Your father, Esav, threw it on Yaakov and said, I don't want any part of it. So we had to therefore be slaves in Egypt. So at least do us a favor, right? Now that we're coming out of Egypt, and we've suffered so much, and you should have joined us in that Tikkun, let's do, at least do us a favor and let us go where? Let us go through your land it's openly what Rashi says. Both of us had the obligation to do the tikkun, which means to remain gerim, sojourners, strangers in the land, right? And therefore, destroy the sultan. That's exactly what the job of Esav is, which was now given to both Yaakov and Esav to do together in Egypt. Why? Because both of them had that tikkun. Both of them were of us. Except Esav threw it off him, and he said to Yaakov and his descendants, you do it. You see, there you are. Rashi is saying exactly what the Ramchal says. Isn't that amazing? That both had the job, Yaakov and Esav, and their descendants, the Jews and the Edomites, to do the job or the prophecy of what God said to Avram, because that, at that point in time, was the tikkun, or the job of the Jewish people. You see, there you are. So Rashi even says this. You see, <clears throat> and now we understand the fundamental idea, very important, what the fundamental job of the Jew is, right? To bring down holiness in all its measures, and to expand, right, the domination of holiness over the Sultan. And Yaakov has one side, and that's why he was a Yeshiva Holom, which I mentioned last week. Yeshiva Holom, right, where Yaakov dwelled in tents, where he would learn Torah all day. And he was involved in Kedusha, holiness. Whereas Asa was an Ishsadeh, he was a man of the field which means he would go out into the world and not be susceptible to the temptations of the sudden. You see, he would withstand the temptations, and because he was connected to the root of the sudden, like we said, like I showed you what Ramchal said, therefore, if he did do that, if he remained righteous, what would happen? He would destroy the sudden at the level of Shurish, at the level of a root soul, which is incredible. So therefore, the only thing left would be what's called the branches. And the, who would destroy the Sultan in terms of all the branches of Tuma? And that is the 12 tribes, you see. And all the people of the 12 tribes. We now understand fundamental ideas and like I mentioned last week, that is why when you look at Jews, there are Jews that are involved in Kedusha. They are involved in mitzvahs. Let's say they have yeshivas, they're Rosh yeshivas, they give shiurim, and so on. And then there are Jews that go to work, and they have to remain righteous, even though there's a tremendous amount of temptations, you see. 
these are the two avoiders, like the Ramchal said. These are the two tasks that are given to the Jews. But basically what they really are, ultimately, the task of Hispastis Kedusha, to spread holiness throughout, right, is the task of Mashiach ben David. Because that's really what he does. He brings down, he is the one who brings down all the levels of holiness, you see. Because he does it when the tikkun is complete. And the one who destroys the satan, you see, right? And uh, he remains righteous. And why it's so difficult is Mashiach ben Yosef, you see. That's why there are two messiahs. Just like this Yaakov and Esav, you see. And we will see later, that's exactly what it is. Yosef Atzadik had to go into Egypt to remain righteous and dominate Egypt. That's exactly what happened by Yosef. Because that's the job of the Mashiach and Yosef, you see. In any case, these two ideas, the idea of who Yaakov and Esav is, and that they formulate uh, the basic foundation of the tasks of the Jew is a very fundamental idea in what the Torah describes and so on. And once we have an understanding of this, you see, we now can understand the real story of Yaakov and Esav, which in many ways is the forerunner to the whole history of the Jews. Any questions? So the only way for to to get to the root of um, the Satan, which is the root of Esav... Can you speak louder? Sure. So the only way to get to the root of Esav, which is the root of Satan, um, is when Hashem <coughs> and David comes? Well, that's when he will... <coughs> when Mashiach ben David comes, the Sutton is destroyed. In fact, that's really what Tchir Samesim is. Where the Sutton is, is uh, thrown out of the physical world. And therefore the dead arise. Because death does not exist. The Zoyhamo, which is the projection of the Satan into the physical universe is expelled, you see. So that's when the actualization of the death of the Satan occurs. So then Esav's job won't, won't be complete until Mashiach and David comes. Yes, correct. Well, that's why Mashiach ben Yosef is really the ultimate continuation of the job of Esav. Right. You see. So we need an Esav, somebody from Esav to get rid of the evil. That's what Trump was trying to do. Well, yes, that's a, that's a good point, by the way. Trump, I had mentioned, is a messianic figure. Not that he's Mashiach. He's not the Messiah, obviously no. not. But he no. is but part and parcel of Esau, correct, which I will talk about next week. Exactly. That's who Trump really is. He's part of the task of Esau re- being restored. Because Esau, in the end, which I will talk about, does tshuva. He repents. And Trump is part of that Esau repenting. He's the Toiv Shebe Esau. He's the good part of Esau. Not that he's perfect. Obviously he's not. And of course he has many flaws. But the overall job of Trump is to battle evil, which of course is the Democratic Party, the progressives, the liberals, because they obviously are tremendously evil in so many different ways. You know, it's not just anti-Semitism, it's anti-God, they're against religion, and so on, you know. But in any case, that is the point. That's what Trump did to restore, not only to get rid of evil, which is to fight the establishment, 
But another job, of course, was to assist the Jewish people by saying that the land of Israel is the Jewish land, and Jerusalem is theirs, Israel is theirs, the Golan is theirs, and so on. You know, exactly. That's who Trump really is. He's trying to finish up the job of Esau, the good part of Esau, you see. <coughs> so if if um, okay. Asav yeah. is gonna do tshuva, there's actually you know that you know that prophecy. It's in is it Sanhedrin 97b about the like when when we do tshuva, then we get redeemed. Yes. Yes. So how does how does that, is that part of this? <coughs> yes. Is that the, the, the Jews, tshuva? It's, it's actually yeah, Asaph? Well, Asaph is part of that return. Asaph is part of that return. Yeah. So I want to mention we don't, the, Yeah. So we, we, when we do tshuva so that we can get redeemed, that's, Part of that is actually Asaph, meaning like all. Not, I mean, not all. Some no, no, no. Asaph. When we do tshuva, no. When we Asaph's job is to assist the Jews. The Jews' job is to do the tikkun. Asaph does not do the tikkun. Trump doesn't do the tikkun. What he does is he assists the Jews in them doing the tikkun. Very important distinction. Only the Jews can do the tikkun. Asaph cannot do it. But at least he's not an enemy. And not only is he not an enemy, of which he was for thousands of years, but he also takes a role in helping the Jews fulfill what they have to do. That's what he does, as I will talk about next week. And the your older will serve the younger that part of the prophecy, you see. But in that way, and that's, by the way, why the Chazal tell us that the Chazir, the pig, which of course is Treif, not kosher, represents Esau, you see. And the Chazal tell us that someday pork will be permitted. Why? Because just like Esau does tshuva, then that which represents Esau, which is pork, right, which is a pig, will also be permitted to be eaten. You see. So someday... But how? If one of its sign is uh, it needs to have split hooves and show the cut, it doesn't it uh, eat the garbage? Doesn't it do something <clears throat> I can't hear you. What? What was that? Uh, how could a big pig be kosher if it doesn't have the two kosher signs? Well, whatever that means, it means that either it will chew its cud, because a pig does not chew its cud, it has split hooves. So that's why it looks like it's kosher, but it does not chew its cud. So either it will mean that uh, the pig will eventually change its anatomy, where it now chews its cud, you see, or that commandment will be uh, canceled. And now, don't say Asaph how. Like the pig? What? Isn't Asaph like the pig? He shows that he's kosher, religious to his father. In the back, he was not. He was doing sin. Yeah. Well, that's Asaph the deceiver. Correct. Yes. It, it's like is, the pig. It's the same characteristic. Exactly. Where he sticks out his foot and says, you see, I'm kosher. I got split hooves. Mm. But really, he's trafe. Exactly, the pig does exactly what Asaph does. A complete fraud, a deception, an imposter. Exactly. But Chazal tell us mm-hmm. that in the end, the pig will be kosher, in whatever way, because Asaph will have done tshuva, you see. Yeah. It, this all lines up to be perfectly, you know, uh, integrated. So- <clears throat> So I have a question. So just like Yaakov um, was... 
<clears throat> Just like Yaakov was fighting the um, angel yeah. of Esav, yeah. isn't that technically what we're doing now? What do you mean? As as a Jewish nation, we're fighting the Satan to overcome it, to finally finish the Tikkun. Like, aren't we redoing that in order to uh, to finish the Tikkun and to get to, to reveal the Messiah? Yes, yes, that's what we're doing. But obviously, uh, on one side, <laughs> but on the other side, uh, the Jews are f- falling; they are disappearing. Right. Right. Yeah, that's what's happening. So the one who is really doing the tikkun, if you think about it, are the religious. They're the ones who are doing the tikkun now, you see. That's who's doing wow. the tikkun. So, yeah, so you right. feel that by, by also by like learning Shemirat Halashan and... and um, and practicing uh, that, guarding your tongue, that that's one of the main ways to, to fight the Satan and finish this tikkun. Yes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mentioned, uh, was it a week ago, two weeks ago, <clears throat> the critical thing is to stop, to stop the kitrugim <clears throat> by not speaking Lashon Hara. That's a very important idea. Like I mentioned, that's why Lashon Hara is now prominent has been given a tremendous uh, publicity, just like in Egypt, because God wants us not to speak Lashonara to be able to stop the prosecutions, you see. Yeah, sure. 